Get it? Do you see it? I know. Yeah? Yeah. No, you're good. That's that's good stuff. Mm-hmm. But they are holding the suffering and the 
Yeah. Yeah, there's a great joy behind that. Mm-hmm. Not even behind it, in it. The fear before it makes us miss out on the joy with right on the other side of in it. you will. You can do no other. <laughs> yes, that's great. Well needed. All right. Um, all right, as we jump into this, um, all I have before me is just the text. So we're just going to hang out right there. No notes. The notes are good for things, but I've just running through this. The word is so much powerful, so just dependent on the spirit. Lord, thank you for this, your word. May you bless it in our reading and our understanding, our hearing, and maybe may you mobilize our faith onto good works from what we hear, because that's what you created us for. The good works that could never save us are what you saved us to do. So thank you for your works that initiate all of ours, and may the gospel be ever-present on the throne of our hearts, because in it is you, and it's how you saved us, and it's how you sanctify us and grow us. It's sufficient. All we have is the gospel. We have everything we need. So thank you. May it grant us a depth of understanding in it today as we go forward. And it's for your wonderful name we pray. Amen. All right. Book of Philippians. Here we go. Uh, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. This Leonard was talking today, and as he said it, with the word really there is slave, I was thinking, this slave of Christ in prison in here, um, who's writing, I think he's in prison in Ephesus when he writes this, if I'm right. Um, this one slave of Christ is more powerful than Caesar. A slave of Christ is more powerful than the rulers of the world because God is in them. To all the saints in Christ Jesus, saints are Christians, who are at Philippi, and this is, uh, in his greeting here, this is something a little different. Uh, it's just about a standard greeting from Paul in the letters that he writes us, but he uh, specifically names the overseers and deacons. This is the church leadership. He's saying, hey, everybody listen, but you, Give both your ears. Not that we all shouldn't be giving, you know, just he, he draws them out. And then he says this in verse two. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He settles their already established hearts, blessing them before he even says anything. Grace, which is God's 
undeserved favor in our life and peace, which another word for peace is rest. He's staying their hearts. And in verse three, I thank my God in all my remembrance. That's how he starts, thankfulness. Somewhere in the psalm it says, enter the gates, enter my gates with thanksgiving. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. That's a warm thing to say. Like when he thinks of these Philippians, he's thankful to God. And it, it comes out, it like drives this prayer from him. Like he has such a peace and contentment in this church that it comes this thankfulness from his heart through his mouth. Always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy. Other churches, Paul might have to, they make his prayer with a little bit of worry. The Galatians, Corinthians, church gone wild. <laughs> um, but the Philippians are unique. He makes their prayer and he's, he has to tell them with joy. Um, why? Because the, they're enduring faith, which is going to be a theme as he goes forward here. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So they received it. Uh, as Jesus says in Luke 11, we quoted earlier, which we're going to be hitting uh, a few weeks after we pick back up in the book of Luke. But he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word, word of God and keep it. They heard it and they've kept it. From the first day when the gospel came to them, when Paul was a missionary in a new grounds, in the new grounds of uh, Philippi where the gospel has not yet been heard and Jesus has not yet been named. From then until he writes this letter. And then he has the power to say what comes next. The partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure, not very many things that I'm sure of. It gives me great peace that the great apostle Paul is sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Um, he says this with joy, right? We just said. Now, he says the same thing to the Galatians, but he says it in a different way. It's kind of in a negative sense here. It's a very positive and grateful sense here. But look at this. He who began, that, 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 that sticks out to me. He who began. If he began, the great hope is that he will continue. And if you're from the first day until now, if you're in the now with what you believed in the first day, that's evidence of God's work in your life. A Christian's perseverance is God's work. Because we can get really excited and we can be motivated to our car and maybe for a little bit afterwards, but it wanes and it wanes. But if it keeps, when you feel that waning and you do something about it, you come to this and you drink and eat and feast from this, evidence of God's saving work in the heart of the Christian. This is what he says to the Galatians, though. He's a little harsher with them. Are you so foolish? That's strong language. Having begun, he who began a good work in you, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Isn't that wonderful? by hearing with faith. 
lets us know the works are sufficient that we're hearing because it doesn't ask us to do anything. <laughs> but Abraham, well, that's what, just what it says in verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God, and it, that belief, was counted to him as righteousness. Not Abraham did, and God credited that as righteousness, but he believed. Everything that we do flows out of what we believe, and it must be the gospel that we believe in. And that's what Paul is making clear here in uh, Philippians 1. He who began a good work in you. Uh, Dr. Steve Lawson, I wrote this next to this spot, and said, whatever is established in eternity, that's where God saved us, by the way, in eternity past, and he brought us into our awareness in our point in time here and saved us at some point in our lives. Whatever is settled in eternity cannot be broken in time. And so, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. If he saved you, there's no falling out of his hand because he's keeping you going. That's wonderful to know. I can rest in that, and if I don't rest in that, I'll depend on anything else, and anything else is not worth resting in. It's a boat with a hole. No. It's, a, it's the boat's already gone, gone down and we're on the shrapnel of the Titanic floating around. That's what it's going <laughs> to, that's what it is. All right. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it on to completion at the day of Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart and you are partakers with me of grace. Like he, Paul knows how to recognize the gospel as a teacher of the gospel and a good one. Um, and so he sees it in their church. You know, we recognize our own in a way. Um, he holds them in his heart. They're partakers of this grace. The very grace that is his message that saved him, that knocked him off his horse in, in Acts 9, it's the same grace that he's so, that this church is partakers in. They're all, I mean, it's a, it's a bunch of people, but it's all God's, in poor of grace. It's all God's work in them. One people with one spirit. One gospel message. Now, partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel. That's two things and three things. In my imprisonment, they're not ashamed of Paul. Um, they still love Paul. The fact that he's in prison doesn't send them off in any other direction. In defense and confirmation of the gospel. Uh, as Christians, remember he talked to, to, the, to the overseers and deacons. He, I think he especially wants them to hear this. Um, the defense and confirmation. The defense, hey, that's, that's not the right message. That's, that's, you've got this part wrong. Hey, uh, it's not fully here. This is actually the gospel. Hey, this is, um, we, have to, we have to get this gospel message formed right. This, this is the message. Yeah, you're messing this part, and maybe that part's a little off. Let's get you corrected. That's what uh, believers of the gospel find themselves wanting to do. Um, I remember when I first got saved, and I had gone to the Catholic church. I thought these, those were the cool kids on the block my whole life. We went to the Lutheran church over here. God didn't save me until 24. And I always thought, man, they got the 
that seems to be like, that's where everybody goes. You know, that's just the natural man way of thinking about things. What's popular is what's it, right? Um, and I remember it was pretty instantly after I got saved, I had this welling up of anger within me about the things that once you taste the real thing and then you realize all this time I've been fed this, and it's, it's, it's this angst that kind of comes and you feel like this welling up of trying to <laughs> defend the truth uh, and confirmation of the gospel. So in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, this is what it is and this is what it is. This church was doing that. They were keeping their eye on their doctrine to have gospel purity. And for God is my witness how I yearn for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Um, it's the love of God in us. Like the love that we feel towards someone that lost, the pain we feel towards people that are lost, that's a small increment of what God feels. Um, when we look at the people in our life who we love so much and we have pain that they're missing it. That's just a, a, little, a little drop of what I believe God feels because he feels it perfectly. We feel it imperfectly. He yearns for them with affection. He's, he's joyful over them. He wants their continuing. It's not that they're... They've, they've been established and they're okay. It's that, that they've been established. Let's keep this thing going. That's Paul's heart. He, he doesn't have to do much correcting for the Philippians church. You won't find a lot of that in here. Like he does with Corinthians and Galatians. And, um, this is all about maintaining. And that's what we're praying down for. That's what we want. We want to... Paul is trying to get... Is Paul is trying to keep them on track. We're doing the Philippians thing to help us get on track. Because this is the first, this is of first importance, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is my prayer that your love, your moving towards people, may abound more and more. With, coupled with, you'll always find love and knowledge with each other. You almost always find love and knowledge when it's a command, at least, mixed with each other because your love has to be guided by your knowledge. I had a question. Yes. Okay. I was just thinking about this. The Christian concept in some of these, like Galatians and other churches that were established and mm -hmm. come today, are more of what we speak and not what we show. It's more of like, okay, like it was the Galatians, right? It was more of like, we tell, we do this, we do this, but we don't really feel it. We don't really show it. We don't have any fruits of our labor. It's more like talking and just saying, hey, look, I'm a Christian, so therefore everything's good and dandy. That's how I feel. Mm -hmm. And then with the Philippians and with us, now, trying to reset, it's more of digging deeper, no pun intended, and showing the fruit and not so much of what we say. It's the total opposite. So a lot of Christians, including Catholics and, so, and us, I mean, we've done it before, I've done it, it's more of what I say. Well, I say I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. I say I do this. I say I do this. But then I go out back to the back door and swear and do this stuff. Mm -hmm. The fruit wasn't very good. But I say I'm a Christian. And I think that the Christian concept has kind of been 
muddies a little bit with that because uh, that's where a lot of people sometimes don't want to walk into a church. They don't want because I think it's always in some ways been about what words we say and not what fruit we do. Mm-hmm. Because it's so much harder to have fruit. Much harder to have fruit than to sit I can sit here all day long and say I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. Much harder for Rachel to produce good fruit. It's more of a work with inside and more of a persistency of prayer and do that. And I just when I'm looking at this, I'm seeing the Philippians as more of the fruit producers. Yeah. Right? The, and I see the Galatians as more like, oh yeah, we're Christians, we do what we want to do, but you know, whatever. I mean, we're Christians. We we read it, we do it, we do the rules of whatever they say we need to do yeah. when we go outside the doors to do whatever we want to. Kind of mm-hmm. like and I'm not putting any religion down because I don't really know a lot about it. But kind of like Catholics when they say you can pretty much do whatever you want to do, you just come back and ask for forgiveness through this person, yeah. and you're okay. Mm-hmm. And I think it's this Philippians, I feel, is getting us much deeper into what it what we're supposed to have done in the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> there's a... We didn't do it. There's, the there's that, do the good works you did at first. Yeah. Well, they've continued to the first day until now, so they're they're on track, but as we go forward, and I, I do, I, sh- I should have asked, said this earlier when everybody was in here, but... Uh, it take, the book of Philippians takes about 12, 15 minutes to read. I, I, would, I would ask you all to, to read it from one end to the beginning in one sitting just to kind of get it in you okay. as one thing. Um, the church in Galatia was, they were adding something in the gospel, and the gospel was sufficient. So it was no longer the gospel once they added something to it. Okay? It was defiled. Paul writes to protect the gospel and so preserve them by redirecting them because they've added something. This church, they're doing great. They didn't add anything, so Paul adds the one thing that they have right to keep what they have right going. So this is just like the Galatians. Philippians, stay on track. Galatians, hey, you guys need to get on track. They said you must be circumcised and follow the law and have Christ. So it was law and works that's necessary for, like Catholicism. Catholicism is, uh, salvation is, or uh, good works plus Jesus equals salvation. The biblical Christianity is Jesus plus faith equals salvation equals works. So they, the Catholics and pretty much religion everywhere is you need to work your way there. In Catholicism, Jesus is going to help you, but you still need to work your way there. In biblical Christianity, no, he establishes you right at the beginning. You don't work your way towards anything. He starts you off from death and life, bottom of the mountain, top of it, and you stay there, and you cannot fall down again. That's the biblical message. So that results in works it doesn't your works don't cause your salvation they're from it we don't do good works to be saved we good work do good works because we're saved so can i jump to in my mind you say that since they added to the gospel or anybody's taken away from the gospel then truly if you're into that and you're reading that and you're under you're believing that then you could not eventually produce good fruit out of that 
you will naturally produce good fruit out of that. Right. It like, doesn't have to be that you know the truth is complete truth. Yeah. Okay. Well, I opened right to it. All right. No, no, you, no, that's great. That's great. Um, I just had questions about that because it seems like if the Philippians seemed like they had everything, like they had produced the fruit they had, it looked. Yeah. And I didn't know they were mentioning that they added to the gospel, so that makes sense. No, the, no they haven't. Uh, the, the, if Philippians have one issue, it's that they have the right doctrine, they have the devotion, but they're, they're all together looking at the right, they're not just together, Paul keeps bringing them closer to oneness, because we can be together and not be one. So Paul like kind of raises up Christ in the middle of the room uh, around this message when it's read, saying, hey, come, don't just be together, be one. Um, See, if Paul wrote us, he wouldn't write to the church at FCC, which is amazing. He would write to the church of Salem. That's how it worked back then. So our gospel letter would say, would be Salem, (laughs) to the church of Salem. It wouldn't be to the church of FCC. I would love to have, see, we're all one body here and there. There's Salem Bible Church on Cunningham Road, the Baptist church over here, us, not many other good ones around here. Uh, um, so we would all receive that letter. It would be one church. And so that happens in this very room. There's this group over here. There's this group here. They all have, hopefully, they all are full of Christ, but they need to all have a united view of him together. That's what Paul, I, 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 I need to think of a way to put, make that so more clear, but yeah. The unity. Yeah. Yeah. We would run very smoothly. It would all be yeah. the right, yeah. the so, narrow road. Yeah, and he, he goes about preaching the very gospel message that they believed in up until now, and he gives it to him again. It's Paul's, that's, he fixes, he forms church with the gospel. When cracks start to emerge in the church, he brings the gospel in. Like if there's division in the church, which like we'll see when chapter four begins, there's this, there seems to be this argument between these two uh, women, and he asked them to agree in the Lord. Um, and we'll get there when we get there, but he asked them to agree in the Lord because he doesn't just ask them to agree, he asked them to agree in the Lord. So the gospel teaches us that Jesus has swept away any incompatibility we have between God and man. And so he teaches them that so that any incompatibility brothers and sisters have with each other goes away too because that's what it means. That's how you preach the gospel. Right. And I love what Leonard said because it's, it's very true. And yeah. In my years I've learned that so it's always been about the willingness of doing that, putting God in between the relationships and saying what would God want. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even though I don't like it or you don't like it or we have a fight between us, it's really what God wants. Yeah. No, oh, yeah. Oh, that's the Christian life, though. That's our fight. It's a. I keep trying to come out of me, <laughs> and uh, there's the bouncer, who's in place, and it's the Holy Spirit. But he's not just, you know, facing outward, you know, not letting the bad in. He's facing 
inward, making sure the bad stuff doesn't come out. But everything you talked, we are going to hit about because you you kind of. I'll read it this week. Um, if if, if I was just reading it one verse at a time because it was one of the complete the blitz, I read the whole thing. Yeah, and I I meant to. I had fifty things in my head, and I think I said yeah. not any one of them great today. Uh, but uh, what what you asked about fruit? I don't want to just leave you hanging there. Fruit comes naturally, right? Fruit. Uh, that's why he keeps filling them and watering them with Christ and the gospel and all the different facets of the gospel keep moving through them. And I can, like I said before, I'll say again, and you'll read again as we get to whatever week I have it in, in the devotional. Um, I can give you, we can give you action step after action step, do this, do this, do this, and we'll do it. But if we fill you up with Christ then you'll be ready at all times. Like that's, that's, the, that's where your fruit comes from. That's what Jesus here himself teaches. Whoever abides in me, a branch on the vine in John 15, he it is that bears much fruit. Just stay with him and it'll come natural. Otherwise, if you don't stay with him, if you're all devotion and no doctrines, like nailing the fruit to a tree and that's gonna, that's rotten right away, right? How long is it gonna be if uh before the fruit's rotten, if I nail it to the tree, pretty much instantly, right? So abiding in Christ, there's this abiding language. I can't wait till we get there. Absolutely. That's why he prays here, and we'll just finish it up. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with all knowledge. There he talks about doctrine and devotion, those two things. There's devotion, the love, doctrine, the knowledge. Those things are coupled together. They hold hands together perfect there. Both rails on track that lead someone on. With all knowledge and all discernment, so that, for the purpose of, so that you may approve what's excellent. You'll have discernment. You'll have wisdom in any, any, any given situation. See, the word of God doesn't give us practical for every situation, but it puts us in a state of mind where we can deal with everything. It teaches us teaches us, like, I wish there was a book of rich that I could go that had a date on it that said, what am I supposed to do today? Uh, yeah. But no, he, the word of God prepares you for all circumstances, even though it doesn't specifically address all circumstances. We're not lacking because we have the word of God and he's giving us all we need to live a life of godliness. First Peter. Second Peter. Chapter 1, verse 3 is there. He's given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. You may approve what is excellent, so and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Helping us to live holy lives. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord, uh, Hebrews 13 says. We have a shared wisdom and functioning community of grace. Community, not just together, but a community looking at God, full of God-driven by God, towards God. I like that. Sometimes God is the last thing we appreciate in service, right? But he's the, he's doing all things, it's all for him. He made all things, all things are for him and leading back to him. <laughs> see, when you get to heaven, and right now you wanna, we miss people and it hurts. We wanna see them and we want relief 
from this world. But you're going to forget about everything you want the moment you see God, and you won't be able to focus on anything else. That's how he wipes away every tear. All right, so this is what Paul sees in them, and then we're going to, I'm just going to read the rest of this because we were supposed to hit this today. But like Leonard said, 10 pounds of sausage, 20 pounds, whatever he said. <laughs> it's, I would have made this like 16 weeks long, but we were like, man, we can't, that, then we won't get back to Luke till next year. <laughs> so we're like, we could do this eight. You could spend three months on chapter two alone. We got to do it in two sermons. <laughs> Great for us. All right. Chapters 1 through 11, are, or verses 1 through 11, are what Paul sees in them. Now this 12 through um, 18 are what they see in him. And I'm just going to read it. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that as it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard. Fine, put my boy Paul in jail. I'm going to convert your guards. Um <laughs> And all the prisoners, and they're going to sing and worship. It's going to be great. And to all the rest at my imprisonment, that my imprisonment is for Christ. Paul's not in prison because he did anything wrong. He did everything right, which is a very wrong in the world's eyes. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are more bold to speak the word without fear. Isn't that strange? He's in jail. They should be scared. But they're more bold. That's strange. You'd think they'd be less bold. That's how the gospel... See... All right, wait, let's just look. For some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry. They, they, they got the wrong motive. They got the right message, but wrong motive. But others from goodwill. They want people just to know and savor the gospel, and that's, you know, that's how you get connected to the vine. That's how you become a fruitful branch. But the latter, do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. All right? So wherever the gospel lead, leads, Paul goes, even, it's, even if it's to prison multiple times, you can read about all his uh, persecution and Second Corinthians 9, 10, 11, somewhere in there throughout the book of Acts, and he, he'll tell us that he bears the scars of his faithfulness on his body. Wherever the gospel goes, it's worth it. And I think I wrote in the devotion of the Woohoo Tuesday, because the gospel is true, Paul is the freest man in this prison, even though he's a prisoner there. The former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, there's to get something out of it, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in, rather in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Christ is being named, even if it's people with bad, bad motives. God, we can't always see people's motives when they're preaching and when they're... But God can take his message in the hearing of someone who hasn't heard it yet or someone who needs to hear it again and someone who needs encouraged and he can do something with it. So Paul does what? Rejoice. And that's the first rejoice um, of many that you'll see in this book. Philippians is called the happiest book in the Bible and some people have called it Paul's manifesto of joy. I like that. 
manifesto when I think of the Unabomber. I'm sorry. <laughs> but <laughs> um, the, the manifesto of joy. And he's just going compl- to pummel them with Christ. I love it. So we're going to get that too. Get ready. <laughs> and let's rejoice. A lot more to say about this, but Father, thank you for this, your word. I plead with you that this would rest deeply in our souls. We would rest in the truth of the gospel and not rather were our fruit would not be our worry, but being attached to the branch would be our concern. And the very thing that takes that concern away is the branch, or is the, is the vine that we grow on. We're connected to Christ. Speak assurance to our hearts, Jesus. Nullify our fears. We don't have to be these varsity players on the field. It's enough for us. It's too much for us, even, to do anything for your kingdom. But you allow us so help us to be directed with the, the decrees of the king, to savor them, not veer from them, knowing that what you have to say, your gospel message, is meant to cultivate our faith. And may we have great joy, because that itself is fruit. Fruit isn't just good deeds, it's, it's joy in our Savior. Make all of us to see that. It's our confession, knowing very little about where our church was before I came here, but hearing some things that we're a very works-driven people from the decades. Not to say anything wrong about anybody who was here before, but may the gospel correct us, form us, fill us, free us. May you right the ship. This is your church. Maybe we one body and oneness with eyes on Christ, united by the message that brings us on to forever with him. And it's for your wonderful name we pray. Amen.